Welcome to the Grace College Podcast, a ministry of Grace Bible Church located in College Station, Texas. We desire to impact students who will impact the world for Christ. Hope you enjoy the talk and hang around for more after. Well, good morning. You can have a seat. We're on the back half of a series on the Sermon on the Mount, and we're in this series. We're looking at these passages because the teachings in the Sermon on the Mount are designed to turn our behaviors upside down. It turns our behavior upside down so that we might, as a group, disrupt the beliefs of the world around us. Jesus Christ wants to change the way that his followers live so that he could use us, so that he can continue to use us to change the lives of people around us. This morning, what we're gonna see is Jesus Christ calling his people, calling us, the gathered group of believers, to live a lot like this. Why about yourself? Why about yourself? Can I help? No. I'll help. I don't. You can help when we're out here, okay? You can help when we're out here. Okay. Do you have this to see? Probably. You want me to help, Rose? No. Thank you. No, thank you. What do you want me to do? What about yourself? <laughs> what about yourself? <laughs> I'll do this one, so I'm going to do that. You drive! Wipe out yourself! Go drive! Go! Welcome to my life. Uh, this, is, this is where I'm headed. This sweet yet kind of salty daughter talking to her father, right, and giving him pretty good advice, which is, hey, you need to focus on your current responsibilities, right? That's her drive. That's her uh, commission to her father. Hey, I want you to worry about yourself. And you focus on what's in front of you. You don't worry about what's going on in the back seat. Now, should the dad still worry about the back seat? Probably, because otherwise, you know, anyway, she's a child. But Man, there's a principle in there that we see carried out throughout the Sermon on the Mount. It's a principle that we're going to see this morning from Jesus Christ to his fathers, followers, where he essentially says, hey, you need to worry about different things. You're worrying right now about tomorrow's problems. You're worrying about where you're headed or where you're going or, or where certain things are coming in. You're worried about gaining certain provisions and getting this stuff, accumulating it for yourself. And he says, you know what? You don't need to worry about that. He says, I want you as my followers to, in fact, forget and stop worrying about tomorrow's problems. And instead, you need to shift your focus to today's purpose. I need you to forget about tomorrow's problems. I need you to look at today's purpose because I have something for you. And yet the reality is that, man, we still worry. And we still worry. Sometimes the anxiety that we feel, man, sometimes that the, 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 the issues and the worries that come upon us, man, it, it's, it can be overwhelming. Some of us, we find ourselves worrying about everything, right? That's some of us right now. We're just worried about, oh, Everything, like, and, and you didn't even, you kind of forgot about it for a second, and then I just said it, and you're like, you're right, and you're just kind of paralyzed again, worrying about all these things around your place. Some of us, though, we don't care about, man, we're not worried about anything, right? In this moment right now, we're worried about nothing. We're like, ah, I got, like, two quizzes till Thanksgiving. Ain't nothing. Like, you're not worried about it. And that's great. That's beautiful. And yet, all of us, at some point, will worry about something. Right? We all have that tendency within us to worry about something at some point. 
In fact, a study that I, I quoted back in the spring by the American Psychology or Psychological Association, they found when they were looking at young adults, when they're looking at college students in particular, when they're looking at you, what they found is that 60% of you consider anxiety to be a major health concern. 60% of you right now consider anxiety to be a major health concern. In fact, what they found is that 50%, half, or actually 48, just under 50% of all college students will actually seek out professional counseling while they're in school because of anxiety in their lives. Almost half of you are gonna seek out professional help, professional counseling, which means that is not, counseling is a wonderful thing. What's troubling is not that people are going to counseling. What's troubling is that half of us are so anxious and so worried that we're driven to that point. Now, realize that sometimes, man, this anxiety, it's going to be chemical. I have friends who are on medication because they have a chemical imbalance that creates this anxiety and this worry in them. I absolutely recognize that particular circumstance. But sometimes this anxiety is purely contextual. Sometimes it's purely based on the situations around us and our worries, man, they might rise and fall depending on the time or or the context, depending on whether it's school or whether it's work or whether it's relationships or whether it's future plans. I mean, I I don't know what it's gonna be for you, but we all have a tendency to become so anxious about so many things. And yet if we worship a God who's all-knowing and is all-powerful, How anxious should we be, right? As believers, as Christians, as people who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins, as people who have been adopted out of sin and out of death and have been brought into the family of the Lord Most High, who are now sons and daughters of the God of the universe, as those people, how anxious should we be? That's why this morning when we look In Matthew chapter six, when we're looking at this passage, at this part of the Sermon on the Mount, what we'll find is that he's calling, he's telling his followers that they need to leave tomorrow's problems behind. They need to live for today's purpose. He's calling his people to look at God's care in the world. He wants them to trust in God's control that he's proven, and he wants them to then move forward and to live out God's commands that have been made clear to them in their context. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 is where we're starting to go there in a Bible or an app. Matthew 6, 25, Jesus Christ is speaking to his followers and tells them, look, you don't need to be worrying about these issues, right? I'm telling you, you don't need to worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body or what you will wear. Isn't there more to life than food and more to the body than clothing? He says, look at the birds in the sky. He says, they don't sow, they don't reap, They don't gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And are you not more valuable than they are? Aren't you more valuable to God than a bird? He says, man, I I want y'all to realize that God has proven his care in our world. He says, you can look at just the smallest. He says, you look at the birds, just the little little, bitty birds in the sky. Isn't they're okay? This is because our God loves to look out for the little guy. That's who our God is. He loves to care 
about the little defenseless people and creatures in our world, a lot like this guy. A harrowing ordeal for this weak old puppy. The Cocker Spaniel was accidentally flushed down a toilet when the owner's four-year-old son tried to wash the animal. You put him in the toilet, didn't you? So what did you why did you do that? Did you put him in the toilet because he was muddy? Yeah. Neighbors were asked not to flush their toilets while a plumber used camera equipment to locate the dog. Here you can see the puppy lying upside down in a pipe about 20 yards from the family's West London home. I've got the camera equipment out and we used the drain surveys and um, put a camera down the drain to find out whereabouts it was. Um, it was under next door's house in a, between the two runs of the manholes. The plumber was able to nudge the puppy towards the manhole cover Sunday and then pull it to safety. The puppy, which has been named Dino after the plumbing firm which rescued it, is now back with his family. And the little boy who accidentally flushed the family pet says he's sorry and promises not to do it again. Or will he? Right? <laughs> might be a future issue. Man, our God loves the little guy. Our God tells us, man, James tells us in, in, his, in his book, man, he tells us, look, True devotion, says true religion, true obedience and devotion to the Lord most high. He says, you know what it looks like? He says, when it's laid out, when it's lived out, you're gonna be caring for widows and you're gonna be caring for orphans. That's what he says true devotion looks like towards our God. You're gonna be caring for widows. And you're gonna be caring for orphans. You're gonna be caring for the most defenseless people in your midst, especially at that time. Man, widows, orphans, they were defenseless and they were the lowest of the low. And James says, if you want to follow our God, if you want to be a person after his heart, that's who you look to. That's who you care for. Because our God has a heart for the little guy. And yet we still worry, right? We still wonder, well, what, what if God's not looking? What if God's plan is different from mine? What if I need to set up some sort of contingency plan to make sure that I'm okay? What if that happens to come true? And Jesus addresses that. He says, look, here's the thing. Which one of you, by worrying, can even add even one hour to his life? says, yeah, you, you, you might decide to worry. You might decide to stress. You might decide to be anxious anyway. He says, okay, let's just, let's just assume that you do that. He says, what's the result? So what's your end game? What are you going to receive? What's going to be the, the consequence of that action? He says, well, nothing, right? He says, you can do all that worrying you want, and it's not even going to add an hour to your life. You, you, you're limited, Right, You don't need to just look at God's care in the world, but you need to take an honest look at yourself. You need to look at your own personal limitations. You can worry all day long, but you need to realize that you're never truly in control. Right, my wife and I, we have a daughter named Charlotte who's amazing. She's gonna be two years old in December. She's a fan of sunglasses. Uh, and she is currently in a Mother's Day program here at Grace called Kingdom Kids. So tw twice a week, uh, she's up here for a few hours, uh, just kind of hanging out with some friends, kind of an easy kind of transition into one day when she's going to real school. And so I see her from time to time in the wild, and it's hilarious because I will be working here throughout the week, uh, and I'll just notice through a window or something on, on those days that, oh, she's outside or she's playing or she's with her friends or they're going around the church. And so recently, even just this past week, I saw through a window that she and her classmates, they were out on the playground and they were playing. 
Right? And by playing, I mean uh, all of the kids were playing except for Charlotte and some boy uh, who were kind of hanging on the chain link fence uh, looking out, sort of like POWs with an escape plan. I don't know what was going on. They were like marking the sniper towers and figuring it out. And I just kind of wanted to see what was going to play out. And so I went to a better vantage point, tried to walk to a different window where I could get a better view. And by the time I got to that other window in my just short walk, I looked out and suddenly the scene had changed. And suddenly I see Charlotte is sitting on the ground, kind of upset. And I see the boy kind of slowly backing away from the situation. At which point, you know, I begin to wonder, well, how much does it cost if I break through this window? Like, how much glass is really going to get caught in my skin? Uh, and even as I was kind of going through that process, you know, I was thinking through, you know, what, what should I do? I, you know, this teacher is great. Her teacher's amazing. Stepped in immediately, handled it perfectly. And in that moment, you know what? I had a moment of clarity. I realized watching my, my baby girl out there get pushed down, or I didn't see her get pushed, thank, thank goodness, but... Even if that happens, you know, I realized it doesn't matter how much I worry. It doesn't matter how many plans I make or how much I might fret over my baby girl. I realized in that moment, you know, she's going to get hurt. She's going to get hurt by other people. She's going to get hurt by her own decisions. She's going to make her own mistakes. That's just going to happen. And it doesn't matter if I worry, it doesn't matter if I fret because I'm not truly in control. I'm never truly in control of this world. None of us are. Some of us know that really, really well. Where things have popped up in our life, situations or circumstances or struggles or issues or problems, when we just have this hard realizing moment, this moment of clarity where we think, wow, I have no control in this world. Things are going to happen. Stuff's going to take place. Situations are going to arise. And we don't have control over those. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He's not just saying, hey, yeah, here's, here's, you need to worry about your limitations. He says, no, you don't worry about that either. He says, because you know what? You look at our God and, and you don't need to worry. He says, why would you worry about your clothing? It says, why, think about how the flowers of the field grow and they don't work, they don't spin. And yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his glory was clothed like one of these. Jesus Christ says, I mean, you need to look out and you need to recognize that our God provides. That he's not just in control or that he's not just caring, but man, he, he actually moves and acts on that caring. He, he provides lavishly for his creation. He pays attention to the details. So he says, I mean, you don't need to worry about what you're going to have. I mean, basic needs, clothing and shelter and food. He says, you don't need to worry about that. And yet, again, some of us, we push back on that. Some of us, the question that rises, well, <laughs> what about those times that we haven't really seen God's provision? What about that healing that God never actually provided? What about that financial help that God never brought in? What about that relational turmoil that God never calmed? What about that natural disaster that God never stopped? What about the death and the disease and the destruction that I've seen in my life and the lives of others? And I'm with you, right? What about my 
Christian friends? What about my godly brothers and sisters who are following the Lord, who are seeking to glorify him in in every circumstance and yet are currently dealing with terminal disease, who who are currently dealing with tragic death in their families? What about my friends who who are currently dealing with financial concerns or have passed or, or upcoming divorce? My friends who have pain and addictions? My friends who are struggling? And where's God's provision in the midst of all of that? Man, that's hard. I'm not going to pretend like it's some easily talked about, move past it sort of issue. That's hard. And that's a struggle that you're all going to have to deal with. If you haven't hit it yet, it's coming. Where's God's provision in this circumstance, in this cancer, in this disease, in this losing a job, in this whatever it is? But I'll tell you from Scripture and from experience, I'll tell you, I'll affirm that we might not always realize we might not always recognize God's provision. It's not always immediately evident in every possible situation. And I'll tell you, it's because his plan, it's, it's greater than we can see. That's what scripture tells us. That's what experience will, will tell you. That he has a plan that goes beyond anything we can imagine. Sometimes it takes days or weeks or months or years. Sometimes we never quite get the full picture on why that might have happened, on why that need was never met. But we can trust that our God has a plan. It's not always going to look wonderful, right? Our lives aren't going to feel perfect. I mean, we even just look at the life of Jesus Christ, right? God's plan for his own son involved rejection and torture and death. That was God's plan for his own Son And Jesus Christ tells us in Scripture that we should expect the same. That should be the bar that we set. That should be the expectation that we have for our lives is to suffer, be rejected, and to die for his sake. He says that's what's coming. It doesn't mean that our lives will always be perfect, but what it means is that for Christians, everything after this life, I mean, it will be perfect. Everything beyond this existence will be perfect in every possible way. There's no more pain and no more sorrow, no more struggle, no more death. The day that we look towards is not necessarily tomorrow or when we graduate or when we get married or whatever it might be, whenever we kind of gain those provisions that we sort of want and feel that we need, the day that we look towards is the day that Jesus Christ returns and calls us home when we can be united with our God in all his glory forever and ever. That's the promise of our gospel, that by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, we might all be saved. We might have a life beyond this existence. We might have a life beyond this death. Because Jesus Christ died and yet rose again. Because Jesus Christ secured for us that perfect future. And that's what we look towards. 
That's where our hope is. And in light of that, man, in light of his proven care, in light of his proven plan, we need to be trusting his control, right? Jesus Christ moves his followers to the next piece. He says, look, if this is how God clothes the wild grass, which is here today and tomorrow's tossed into the fire to heat the oven, won't he clothe you even more? He says, you people you, of little faith, he says, of lacking faith. He says, so then don't worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? He says, man, you don't need to worry about these things. It doesn't make sense. Right? He says, in light of how God has proven himself to be trustworthy, the worrying it, in and of itself, it displays a lack of trust. That's why he calls them people of little faith. He says, your faith is being eroded by these anxieties. Your faith or trust in the Lord, man, it's, it's being torn apart. It's being cut away at by this anxiety. And it doesn't make sense, right? In light of what God's already done. But he says, your worry, it's not only a wasteful endeavor. He says, the unconverted pursue these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need him. In other words, he's saying, not only is this a waste, but if you're worrying and if you're anxious, he says, this is a poor witness to the world around you. That's because the world at large, they will naturally worry, right? People in our midst, they're, they're just gonna naturally worry about life and where they're headed and about tomorrow's problems. They're gonna naturally do that. That's why we as a culture, we've even created reminders for ourselves that, you know what, maybe things are gonna be okay. Maybe there's some things worth trusting in, like this. Miss Elena, your mommy will come back and get you. Dad always says, grown-ups come back. Really? Really, really. Dad always says, even when they go away, grown-ups come back. Really? It's true. What about when mom drops me off at school? At the end of the day, she'll come and pick you up too. Grown-ups come back. Grown-ups come back to you. Welcome to my world once again. Uh, this, is, <laughs> this is where I live, uh, in a world where everyone sings and no one trusts their parents, uh, regardless, regardless of their species. Uh, this is just a natural worry, right? No one has to teach their child to distrust the world, right? No one has to teach their child, hey, maybe I won't come back this time, right? Like no one ever does that <laughs> at nursery drop-off, like, see you later, maybe, like that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. And yet there's something within us. There's some sort of drive. There's some sort of tendency. There's something in our nature that makes us doubt. And I'd argue that it's because on some level, on some level, we know that the world is broken. On some level, we know that this world is unreliable. On some level, we're gonna recognize that, you know what? Someday my community or, or my loved ones, even my parents, even my own body, someday they're all gonna fail me. Someday that trust will be misplaced. Hopefully not consistently, but at some point, I'm gonna fail my daughter. You're gonna fail your friends. The job that you take, me and the boss you're gonna have, he's gonna fail you. The co-worker you have, me and she's gonna fail you. 
the family that you start, the children that you have, there's gonna be failure in every possible context. That's why trusting our God, man, is such a powerful witness. That's why trusting him is so different. As believers, we know and follow a God who's all-knowing, who's all-powerful, a God who has a plan and a purpose. And it's a God, our God, I mean, he loves us. He loves us and wants to care for us to the point that he'd send his son to die for us. And if we truly believe that, if we're holding on to that, if that's our anchor, I mean, there's gonna be a peace that persists despite the problems we find ourselves facing. And it's a powerful witness. I can't tell you how many students I've talked to, how many of you that I've talked to over the past few years who have seen this play out, who are maybe coming from families that don't necessarily follow the God that you follow. And yet they look at your life and they see peace. Man, I've heard this story time and again, where you in and of yourself, just through the peace and calm that you have about life, about circumstances, about the internship that's coming or the relationship that just fell apart, the peace that you're able to exhibit, I mean, it makes impacts with the people that are closest to you. Your parents are gonna see that and it's a beautiful witness for the gospel that you wouldn't be freaking out like the rest of your classmates, like the rest of our world. But instead we say, no, I I have a God who loves me, who's in control. D.A. Carson, a a modern theologian, he he talks about how worrying and prayer never fit together. He says either worrying is going to drive out prayer or prayer is gonna drive out worrying. He has this perspective that he says, look, if you're taking these worries to the Lord, the reality is that, I mean, if you're spending that time in prayer, it will just drive that worry out. It will. Because the more you're aligning yourself with the Lord, the more you're listening to him and talking with him, the more you're gonna recognize, you know what? He's in control. But again, this is still hard, right? You're still gonna have areas where you tend to distrust the Lord. I would, rec- I would ask you or challenge you in those times to maybe ask yourself, well, why am I distrusting? Why am I distrusting the Lord's control in this moment. Maybe spend time in prayer asking that, like, hey, God, show me, like, why am I not trusting you in this? And then maybe take a moment and say, well, and this is why I can trust you, right? Re- thinking rationally, thinking just sort of detached from the situation. This is why I can trust the God who loves me, the God who's in control. Jesus Christ is calling his people to this because he says, I mean, if, if you're looking at his care, if you're trusting in his control, it's going to free you up to live out the commands he's placed in front of you. That's why he says in Matthew 6, 33, it says, above all these other things, you need to be pursuing his kingdom and God's righteousness. And all these other things, man, they'll be given to you as well. So then do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Today has enough trouble on its own. Right? He says, I mean, you don't need to worry about tomorrow's problems. You can focus on today's purpose. So there's something in front of you right now that deserves your attention. It's, it's not the potential hazards or, or issues that may arise. It's what's right here, right in front of you, right now. Now, should we still plan? Absolutely. Right? There's nothing wrong with thinking ahead. You, we look in Proverbs and we see the, this laid out, right? Wisdom saying, you need to be working diligently. You need to be looking ahead diligently and planning ahead for sure. 
right? You still need to like make sure you have a schedule and kind of know when you're going to graduate ish, right? Like you need to have those things kind of lined out. Nothing wrong with that. But I would say as you're planning, you need to be doing so with an open hand. What I mean by that is there shouldn't be any expectations or details that you're saying, well, this absolutely has to happen or else everything's falling apart. Right, and a lot of times we don't even know we have those details. This is what's interesting. You need to be checking your expectations, but recognize a lot of times, I mean, we, don't, we often don't even know we have expectations until they're broken, until they're ruined. My wife and I, when we were in college, we had one class together. Okay, in all of college, we had one class together. It was a music theory class or something like that. And as we were uh, going to, we, we had to, for extra credit or as a project, we went to a recital. Okay, we went to a quartet recital. Uh, and it was at this small church out in Bryan, uh, and it was the last one that you could go to out of all these different options. So it was packed, right, with all these music students from A&M just filling this church, filling all the pews to the point where there were people sitting all even throughout the choir loft. Okay, so it was just this massive crowd watching this quartet play, very beautiful uh, classical music. And, and as we're sitting there, we're, you know, we're kind of starting to doze off a little bit. You know, it was beautiful, but still like, uh, you know. Uh, but so we were... We were sitting there and watching, and, and all of a sudden, we had something pique our interest. I can't remember which one of us noticed it first, but we saw up in the choir loft, there was this girl who started, like, started like moving weird. And we were like, huh, that's, what's going on? Like, hey, that's something to look at, like something to, you know, think about, like, what's, what's happening? And she kind of was fidgeting around, and, and it's really weird because everyone's just sitting there very calmly, like, very just staring at these quartet musicians. And yet this girl, not only was she starting moving, then she got up. And we were like, oh, <laughs> What is she doing? Like, she gets up. She stands up in the choir loft, and she moves to the end, and she starts walking down. We're like, what in the, like, she's going to use the bathroom? Like, does she know where she is? Like, what's, what's going on? And yet, she didn't just turn into the bathroom. She started walking. She started walking down the aisle, like, all the way down the aisle to the back of the church, which maybe that's where the bathrooms were. I don't know. But she's starting to walk all the way to the back, and she's walking kind of quickly. And I'm like, this is weird. I never saw her pick up. And all of a sudden, as she's walking quickly, she just hunches over and, and just boom. Her dinner was out. Like we saw, it was, it was out for the world to observe. And everyone in the room was just, oh. right? Like at that point, everyone knew. The quartets were like, no, no, no. And it was like, great. And they're like, you go, you go, quartet. But the rest of us, man, we were like, oh my goodness. And I realized, honestly, my first thought in that moment was, wow, she probably wasn't planning on that tonight, right? <laughs> <laughs> we don't even really think about some of those plans and expectations, but I would be willing to bet that that girl probably was not planning on vomiting in front of everyone. I mean, she sat in the choir loft, right? Like, even just by that, it's pretty clear. She probably wasn't expecting or planning to just blah, put her dinner out for the world to see. And yet she didn't realize it until that expectation was not met. So, man, I don't know where your plan is. I don't know where you're headed. I don't know what you've set up, the expectations that you have, but I would encourage you to really check yourself, to really ask the Lord to search those things and say, God, am I focusing on you? Am I focusing on what you've given me? Or am I just sort of trying to make you fit into the plans that I already have? Am I just kind of asking the question of, well, hey, where can I serve the Lord in Dallas instead of, hey, where does the Lord want me to go? Maybe it's Dallas, but is it somewhere else? We can plan ahead, but do so with an open hand. And Jesus is saying we also need to be focused on today's purpose. Deuteronomy 29, 29. It's at the end of all this law, all these rules. 
all these guidelines and regulations that, that the Mosaic law laid out for the people of Israel. And at the end of it, Deuteronomy 29, 29 will say, look, there's these revealed things and that's what you're in charge of. It says there's gonna be hidden things and those belong to the Lord. But these revealed things, they belong to you. In other words, it's this beautiful principle that tomorrow will worry about itself because today has enough problems of its own. Today has a purpose. There are revealed things that we are called to excel in rather than worrying about the hidden things that ultimately just belong to God. So what's revealed to us? We're called as his people to love him and to love people. We're called to love God, love people, to know God and to make God known. That's what we're called to. That's the great commandment. It's the great commission. To know God and to make God known. So how are you living that out? I mean, where are you spending time with the Lord? Either in his word or in prayer, in a devotional. Where are you spending time just hearing from him, talking to him? Where are you spending time with his people? Where are you loving people? Where are you giving of yourself to serve others? Have you joined a community to belong to? Are you inviting other people into that community? Are you inviting people to come with you to church? Are you inviting people to go with you to breakaway? Are you inviting people into the communities that you found? Because that's how you're going to truly love them, man. That's the most loving thing you can do is to invite them into that community. Because I'll tell you, with anxiety and with worry and talking with some different counselors here around town, they'll say, okay, and these are counselors who have seen a lot of you, a lot of students. They'll say, one guy in particular, as I was talking to him, said that 80% of his clients many of whom are our students, he said 80% of them, four out of five, he said all they really need is loving community. He says they don't need any sort of medication. They don't even need continued counseling. He says all these people need, 80% of the people that come to him, their anxieties and their worries, he says, you know what will address that? Just a loving community. People that'll listen. People that'll care. And that's who we should be. So let's go to the Lord and ask him to fulfill that in our midst. God, we thank you that you have given us an opportunity, God, to gather, to not only encounter you, God, to not only worship you, not only to hear from you individually, but God, again, we're able to gather as a community, Lord, as a unified body. So God, we thank you for that. We thank you for the way that you've designed your church to function as your hands and your feet with Jesus Christ as our head. So Lord, we just ask that you would, you would send your spirit to move within us. Lord, the Holy Spirit that resides within every believer, God, we ask that, that he would move, that he would empower us, that he'd be strong in our weakness, that he'd motivate us where maybe we're apathetic. In fact, if you would, take a moment right now and ask the Lord to just convict you, to convict you of, I mean, where are you worrying? Where are you anxious? What's stressing you out? Confess that to the Lord. And then confess to him, Lord, this is why. And maybe you haven't thought about it, but, but think about it. Confess it to him. Say, God, this, this is what I'm really afraid of. This is why I'm really worried. It's not just that my grade will be low. It's that people will think less of you. It's that my parents will be disappointed in me. It's in whatever it might be. Confess, God, this is why I'm worried about this thing. And then 
ask the Lord to remind you of why you can still trust him, even in the midst of that worry. Pray those things to him right now. Hello, and welcome to the Grace College Podcast. I'm Kevin Barra. And I'm Jacob Smith. And we are here just to go a little bit deeper into our sermons and to talk about what's coming up down the road in our college ministry. Uh, So we're in the back half of our Sermon on the Mount series that we're calling Upside Down Living, as we're looking at the way that Jesus wanted to change the lives of his followers so that we can be his instruments and his witnesses in changing the lives of others around us. Uh, And man, it is really fun. I'm sad to kind of see it come to a close next week because it's it's been really cool. It's been really fun. And it is always sad to... To uh, to leave this behind because there's been some really great themes that we've been able to yeah, talk about. Absolutely, and, uh, yeah. Well, it's yesterday especially. I mean, it was I, I lost count of how many students were came up to me and were like, "Man, that hit me right where I was." And it's because we talked about anxiety, and so right. kind of. I mean, both of us knew even walking into this week, like. This is going to be pretty broadly reaching, you know. Right. <laughs> Especially is... like third round of tests <laughs> right, at this point right. in the semester. Right. We're right Freshman in the, yeah. trying to figure out, should I have been a nuclear engineer? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> right, yeah. So it was, it was fortuitous. And I think, you know, it was – what was so powerful about it is that, you know, it's – it's going back to the fact that Jesus Christ spoke into that. You know, the fact that it, we don't have a God who's just unknowable and unrelatable, but we have a God who knows us deeply and intimately. And, and Jesus Christ, you know, he had room uh, to be anxious or to worry, and yet he didn't. Right. And he has given us principles, especially in the Sermon on the Mount, of, man, this is this is the way you should be living instead. And so, man, it was it was really powerful. It was really, uh, it was a privilege to be able to talk through that passage at the end of Matthew 6 on, man, look, we need to stop worrying. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to trust that we have a God who cares, a God who's in control, uh, a God who's laid out commands for us to follow, uh, a God who has purpose behind the events in our lives. Uh, right. But... One of the things that I kind of wished, and looking back, one of the things I wish that we had, I had maybe taken a moment to talk on is just, you know, we talked about trusting in the Lord in, you know, making, you know, r- reminding ourselves that he has a plan, he has a purpose. Um, but the reality is that a lot of times if you have a friend or a loved one, mm-hmm. uh, a coworker, you know, a classmate, someone who's in the midst of doubt or someone who's in the midst of maybe strife or, or a circumstance that is far from ideal, Mm. uh, that's not always the moment Mm -hmm. to tell them that God has a plan. You know, if someone's dealing with tragedy or disease and they're sitting at a funeral, there's been death. Mm -hmm. That's not generally the moment to walk up and say, hey, you know what Romans 8.28 tells us, that God works out all things for those who love him. You know, that's not just pastorally, that's not the best move in every context. Right. And I think that's so good, Jacob, because sometimes we like to rush in with an answer, especially if we just heard like a great teaching um, on something, they kind of go, all right, here's how you overcome anxiety. And even as we try to frame the idea of dealing with anxiety, we try to say that, hey, some of you are anxious about everything. (laughs) Some of you are anxious about something. Mm. um, And others of you are anxious about nothing. There's nothing that phases you. And because you're 
writing the deed for diploma, right? <laughs> but but for others of you, there's something that that really is pressing, and it's it's the cancer uh, call that you get or your mom gets. Um, it's the the financial stress. It's the burden, and yeah, there aren't always simple answers to tough situations. Yeah. Right. And, and a lot of times in those moments, I mean, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got from a seminary prof who's walked through congregational care, was a pastor for years and years and years. I mean, one of the best things I heard from him who, as a man who had walked through those horrific situations, he said, so many times the best thing you can do is to walk up to that person to ask him how they're doing, mm-hmm. to tell them that you love them and to tell them, hey, I, I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. that that's been happening. I'm so sorry that this happened. Is there anything I can do yeah. to help you? I'm here for you if you need anything. And he said, you know, that's nine times out of 10. That is that is the most effective way to love someone and move towards someone in the midst of tragedy. Right, right. And and the truth is, you know, in any sermon, you can't give every single piece. And right. so you got to focus in. And one of the pieces that I, I wasn't able to focus in on was uh, – where Jesus is basically saying, don't, don't worry. God's in control. God cares. And so you can risk for him. You can live for him. And, and uh, there's always the circumstance where that didn't work out for an individual in, in a way. And, mm. and as Jacob, you and I were talking about this, we said, okay, look, the prime example of anyone who has lived a life dedicated to the cause of God, who entrusted themselves fully to the will of the Father, was Jesus Christ. And how did it end for him? In glory, Mm -hmm. but through the path of a lot of pain, Mm -hmm. through death, rejection, and a cross. Mm -hmm. Um, But he still says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. And so at the end of the day, we can trust that God cares, that he's in control, and that he's going to lead us into what's best for him. Mm -hmm. But in the end, what's best for us, even if it includes uh, some trial and pain along the way. So Mm. fun to talk about anxiety. Thank you so (laughs) much for joining us on the Grace College podcast. We hope you have a great week.